Games rated E to M. Welcome to Nintendo Power Podcast. This episode, we look at some of the hottest upcoming Nintendo Switch games in our Summer Games Preview. My name is Chris, and this episode, I'm joined by Stephanie from the Strategic Communications team at Nintendo of America. Hi, Stephanie. Hello there. Hello. And Anthony from the social media team at Nintendo of America. Hi, Anthony. Hello. Thank you both for coming back on the show. We've had you on before, and it's always great to have you here. Now, I want to say first off that later in the episode, I'll be joined by Bill from Nintendo Treehouse and Delane Parnell, the founder and CEO of Play Versus, in a special segment where we're going to talk about the cool new competitive play partnership between Play Versus and Nintendo. So everybody listening should stick around for that. But first, you know, guys, the weather has been getting warmer and summer will officially start in just a few weeks. And I don't know if this is weird, but I've always kind of enjoyed playing games indoors while I can see the sun shining outside the windows. (laughs) Like it just puts me in the mood to have fun when the weather's nice. Um, And there's some really fun looking games coming this summer that I'm really excited about for Nintendo Switch. So I thought we'd talk about um, some of our personal top picks. So um, should we get to it? Yeah, let's do it. Great. All right. So to start with, I want to back up just a little bit and talk about two games that came out on May 21st, starting with Knockout City from Electronic Arts. Um, now, we've actually, uh, we're actually recording this the day before Knockout City comes out, but I've been keeping an eye on this game, and it looks like it could be a really fun game to play with friends online all summer. Um, Anthony, I think you've been tracking this one too, so can you maybe give a basic overview of the game for people who might not know too much about it yet? Yeah, so I think everyone kind of knows and loves the game of Dodgeball at least uh, have heard of it if you're not an active player. But uh, in any case, uh, yeah, this game is really focused around that core game of dodgeball, but, you know, it's got some really cool competitive twists in there. There's all sorts of different um, throws you can do. There's multiple game modes that kind of just sort of put a twist a twist and a spin on the game. So you kind of have your traditional dodgeball game where you're just trying to hit your opponent. You've got some where you've got different objectives in there, um, but, you know, there's definitely layers to it. Obviously, you know, there's going to be probably a learning curve on some things, but for the most part, it takes that game that I know I love. I played as a kid and I still play it, you know, <laughs> I would still play it if uh, if people were playing. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's really fun to sort of take that that base game and kind of put a spin on it. So, you know, I'm looking forward to it for sure. Absolutely. And this is, um, that's what I think is so interesting about the game, right? Is that it is the core concept is just so simple. And it's something that all of us are familiar with. Um, and to the point where the developers in talking about this game have said that there's not even really, you know, loadouts for this game. It's really just 100% focused on skill, you know, on, on, uh, your skill in positioning and the timing for catching the ball. If it's thrown at you, you know, uh, performing trick shots, dodging, tackling, in mind games, even with like fake throws. Um, and so it seems like this this core gameplay could be something that could be, uh, you know, really fun. And then, of course, you, you add in all these different modes, like you mentioned. You kind of spread out the dodge brawl battle, as they call it, all over the city. And um, and just really put in there, you know, a lot of, of stuff for people to do, a lot of ways to kind of, um, you know, explore this, this dodgeball mechanic. 
Um, now Stephanie, is dodgeball a game that you're very familiar with from uh, from back in the day, uh, back in uh, school? Or? Gym class was my least favorite class in school, <laughs> so I wouldn't say I was very good at it. But um, from some of my friends that played the beta recently, I got a lot of really positive feedback and might be something worth checking out with, with some of my friends since we're in a lull right now. We check in with Splatoon here and there, but could use something new. I know it seems like one of those kinds of games, doesn't it, where you and a bunch of friends could just really get into it. You can even uh, kind of form teams, you know, with your friends or people that you play with online and, uh, you know, deck out your, your kind of hangout where you can practice and and uh, and learn your uh, brush up on your skills. So it seems like something that, uh, you know, all summer you could just kind of hang out and have fun. And I think they have um, they have seasons, right, Anthony? That uh, I think every nine weeks they have a new season where they introduce some new mechanics and some new special balls, things like that. Right. Yeah. So they're going to be adding all sorts of things um, through that format in the game. And you know, we're talking a little bit about like team play, things like that. You know, that's what I really like about the game is that um, it is a team game at its core, right? Where you sort of have like a three v three, and you can get matched up with random people, or you can uh, bring your friends in. But there's also a one v one mode, and so you know, I I'm like a huge fan of just competitive games in general. I'm always kind of, when I look at a game like this, I kind of look at the the base uh, the base gameplay and kind of try and figure out, you know, what's going to be like the meta in the game. How are people going to start playing? And so a, a mode like a 1v1 mode, that's really going to be probably for like, I'm assuming for people who are really sort of, they've got a real grasp on that, on that skill. <laughs> so yeah. um, for me, that's something I'm looking forward to also. And yeah, definitely all the, the updates and, and things that they're going to be adding to the game. If it's, if it's mostly skill-based, um, I'm kind of curious, do you guys know when you level up, what is the, like, what are you ranking towards? Is it mostly gear? Because what I saw in the trailer is they were heavily, heavily leaning into style being a big part of the game. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of cosmetics. You know, you can unlock new hair, clothes, or kind of special effects for the balls. And, um, and each player earns XP after each match, you know, whether you win or lose. Um, and, uh, and you can get extra XP um, by also by like completing contracts, which are like special challenges. So, um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of ways, you know, to continue to kind of grow and build as you play the game. So that's one of those things that even as a solo player that, that gets me excited. Anytime I can kind of continue to grow my character over time, uh, especially even if I'm losing, you know, I still get XP. <laughs> so that's fun. You know, one of the cool things that, um, I didn't realize about this game at first is that it's from, um, Velen Studios, which is the team. Uh, that worked on Mario Kart Live Home Circuit. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. cool to see this team kind of coming out with really outside the box ideas, you know, and I'm always, especially being a Nintendo fan, that's something you really look forward to, I think, these kind of very different experiences. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, I think that's really fun, you know, because it kind of just speaks to sort of, you know, this is a game that it, it's not quite like Mario Kart Live uh, Home Circuit, but, you know, it, it you can definitely tell that they, they all, all the developers put a lot of passion in the game and definitely have some, uh, a different perspective on, on how this game uh, plays and how it works. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that part of it is actually pretty exciting. Absolutely. Yeah, you can tell this team is really passionate about their ideas. And just a couple other last things I want to mention is this game has cross-play with other platforms, which is always cool, and has built-in voice chat. So, you know, when you're playing on teams, that should come in pretty handy. All right, so the other game I wanted to talk about that just came out is Metopia uh, from Nintendo. 
Stephanie, have you had a chance to play much of this game? Yeah, I downloaded the demo and was messing around with it a little bit. And I kind of play these games a little bit the way I used to play The Sims, is I'll fill them with friends, um, mostly people I know, and sprinkle, of course, with maybe some boy bands or TV characters (laughs) that I love. So so that's your focus when you're making these me characters then? Yeah, I just love seeing the like really silly interactions of like people you actually care about being in wacky, weird situations and people that they would never encounter in real life and try to either match them together in battle or in future harmony romance. Um, it's super fun for me. And man, the demo is so wacky and weird and over the top. It's very Nintendo in the in the best way. Yeah, the it, the humor of it, and you know, it's described as a comedy adventure, and the humor of it really. Uh, you know, it makes me think of uh, of past games that f- uh, focus on me characters like a Tomodachi Life, even though they're very different types of games. Mm-hmm. But you know, people some people may be familiar with uh, the original version of Metopia that came out uh, you know, a few years ago on Nintendo 3DS. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, you know, like you touched on, Stephanie, the point of this game is you create your me's or you import me's that you've already created. Um, you kind of assemble a party, uh, kind of a, a almost like an RPG type party. Um, which could be, you know, depending on the muse you created, it could be, uh, you know, a celebrity, it could be your mom, it could be your grandma, uh, <laughs> yourself, obviously. You can even decide who gets to be the big bad guy, the Dark Lord. And so it just creates some hilarious scenes when, uh, you know, you're seeing some of these traditional video game scenes play, play out, like with the Dark Lord, you know, up to no good, but it's like the face of someone that you know. And um, Your gym and- teacher. Yeah. Exactly. I, I'm sure there's some kid out there who's just like, look, mom, I made you the bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And then, you know, and everything in here is just so funny. Like they take traditional, um, you know, kind of uh, adventure game or RPG type, uh, um, you know, uh, mechanics, like assigning uh, classes to your characters. And this time you're assigning kind of jobs. It could be something like warrior or it can be something that's kind of unusual, like a chef or even a pop star. And that depends on how they, uh, you know, act in battle. Uh, But then also the relationships between the characters um, you know, depending on who you decide to pair up when you visit inns or cafes or go to the beach, they might form these stronger bonds that could lead to you hearing some juicy gossip, or maybe it means <laughs> that they'll assist each other in battle. Um, so there's some interesting mechanics there. If you really want to, you know, on the surface level, it's just kind of a, a fun time, but you can really dig into some of the, the mechanics there. Yeah. You know, I think um, what I love about this game is that one, on social media, I've seen some crazy creations from people that are playing the demo. Just the editor, people are going wild. I, I highly recommend you check it out. But that I I was amazed. I'm seriously impressed. And I, I don't think I'll create anything as elaborate as some of the me's I've seen. But um, again, that part is amazing. But also, um, just in terms of the comedy, I actually love that it's almost like you are creating the comedy versus like, you're kind of just laughing at uh, maybe the dialogue or something like that, um, which is also great. But um, just the fact that like what is most funny is like the the me's that you put in the game and just sort of that visual being there is it makes it so much funnier. I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty hilarious. And um, and you know you talked about uh, all the 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 features you can do to make me uh, characters, and I was really blown away by just how much more they've added. Like on top of what you can normally do to customize your Mies, um, the fact that uh, you can go in there and now they have like wigs you can put on and makeup. And some of those options really help you 
tailor your me to look very, I mean, you can get really accurate likenesses. Yes. Why would you ever wear your normal hair when you could wear a wig? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Life motto, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can even like give yourself ombre hair color. Like it's so cool. Yeah. And like you said, Anthony, that's, um, that's a feature that's in the demo that you can go check out for free now on Nintendo eShop and just spend, you know, hours like I did just kind of goofing around seeing what you can make with the Me Creator. And um, I also like, you know, I'm a big Amiibo collector, so I also like that this game has some c pretty cool uses of the Amiibo too. If you scan, uh, you know, certain just Amiibo from the general collection, you can unlock costumes for your characters to make them look kind of like Link or Mario. So that's always fun too, especially if you put, you know, your grandma dressed as Mario fighting the Dark Lord. <laughs> you know, it just keeps adding up more and more to be more ridiculous. It sounds crazy, but I totally know where you're coming from. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so next on June 11th, we have Game Builder Garage, also from Nintendo. And this is the software that gives you lessons to build your own games right on Nintendo Switch with no coding required. You can just use a simple visual interface to determine how the game works and how characters behave and pretty much everything. You're building your own little games right from the very first steps. So I'm super excited about this one because, uh, you know, like a lot of kids, I, I grew up always wanting to design my own games. So I love any game that lets me experience even just a little bit of that. And it takes me back to back on the Nintendo DS. I really loved WarioWare DIY. I really got into making my games for that. And, and then I spent like hundreds of, hundreds of hours making courses in Super Mario Maker. So this is right up my alley. Um, you know, what about you guys? Is this something you're looking forward to? Yeah, you know, uh, you just mentioned Super Mario Maker. I thought of you when, you know, we kind of saw this game uh, <laughs> announced because I know that uh, you're a really big fan of sort of uh, these types of these types of games where you can, you know, really create some crazy and, and really amazing things. But um, yeah, you know, I wish when I was a kid that I, I had a game like this because I, I remember very vividly when I was when I was younger like doing you know when you're in school you do like those collages of like kind of what you want to be when you grow up and, and the things you're interested in and I wanted to be a game designer at the time and I there weren't really any like great tools like like this um, at least not super accessible to me so um, I, I'm, I'm jealous that yeah these kids some kids really get to learn game development this way but um yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm I'm gonna dive in and, and sort of relive my childhood and and maybe I can learn some some cool things through this. Yeah, it's super cool because like when you're in school, I mean, a lot of kids don't even think about that as a potential career path as an option. I mean, they ask if you want to be a vet or a doctor or whatever, which also wonderful choices. But it's really cool that there are tools that you can access now as you know at a young age to kind of dip your toes into what you might be interested in doing, which is really cool. Chris, do you think um, I know your your son really likes to play Mario Maker, Super Mario Maker with you? Um, do you see this as something you guys might play together? Absolutely. The, he was the first person I thought of when I saw this game, and uh, you know, I, I almost wish I'd had it a couple of years ago because um, he actually, even though he's he's eleven, he takes coding classes, and uh, he's actually kind of made his own um, little games that just blow me away with what he can do. Um, but you know, what's cool about, um, game builder garage is it really starts you out on the, about the fundamentals of like building a game, right? Like even without having to know coding or pr specific programming languages, it kind of teaches you the, um, what's the word, like the, just the overall, you know, idea of it, the basic concepts, you know, it kind of gets you thinking in the way of a programmer, even though you're just kind of on the screen, it's as simple as you're connecting, you know, one object, you know, drawing a line to another object. 
And now they both kind of work together. And, you know, from those small steps, you just kind of build onto that and build onto that until you've got something, you know, you've got a racing game or you've got a, a you know, you've built a game of tag or you've built a, a side-scrolling space shooter. And you can even go in and, and, you know, draw your own custom, you know, graphics or sprites. And so you can kind of... Um, really make something unique and different if you invest the time into it and kind of go through all of the step-by-step lessons and, and learn those skills. Um, but it's such a great, uh, you know, introduction, you know, even if you just play it at kind of a surface level and take the lessons, it's just such a great uh, introduction to the concepts, the basic concepts of programming. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, that's a good point. Like the basic concepts of, of that, it are, it's interesting because you probably feel, or at least I know some people probably feel like it's a little bit intimidating to to learn these things. And um, I feel like the way it's presented, you, you kind of realize like, oh, I can I can do this. These are concepts that are common in game development. And hmm, it's not that not as crazy as you might have thought. So, yeah, I, uh, I definitely think that's a, a key point. It like will hopefully help you. I, I think it'll make people think in a totally different way, because when you play games, right, the most basic concept being like, you know, I slash sword enemy KOs. There's so much more to it. It's just like calculator math happening in the background of like, okay, when sword happens, thing disappears, there's, it'll it'll literally remove like health bars. And there's so many elements that you have to um, think about that. I think when you play, you don't really have to parse all of that. Yeah, you know, just playing um, or just creating my own courses in the Super Mario Maker games really, uh, it was almost like, you know, uh, seeing the Matrix, right? Like like now when I play a, a, another game, I kind of have a new understanding and appreciation of it. And it's, you know, it, what I experienced building my course in Super Mario Maker is just a tiny fraction of what it what it, it takes a real game designer to build a game. But it did, it did kind of enhance it for me in a way, and I can kind of appreciate games on a new level. So now I wonder, after I kind of learn more of these programming concepts from Game Builder Garage, how that might make me, um, you know, what I might notice in other games that I didn't notice before. So I think that's going to be cool too. Um, you know, and this is one of those games that, you know, it's, it's a little tough to describe. Um, so I would really encourage everybody to go watch the trailer if you haven't seen it already. And, you know, and that goes for all of these games we're talking about. Um, you know, there's content at nintendo.com where you can read about each of these titles or you can, you know, go onto YouTube to the Nintendo channel and check out uh, trailers for a lot of these games too. All right, so moving on, on June 25th, we're going to get Mario Golf Super Rush. And I have to say, um, although I'm looking forward to so many of these games, this is the one I might be looking forward to the most this summer. Uh, and Anthony, I know you've been following this one closely too. What about this game has you the most excited? Yeah, so I, you know, I love the Mario Golf series, um, and so I, I'm really excited for this game. I think some one of the greatest things <laughs> about this game is that you know it has golf in the title. Obviously, you're playing golf, but uh, it is so much more than a golf game. Um, I think you know if you understand golf and you are a fan of golf, it makes it you know that much better, of course. But um, there's also just like a fun quirkiness to just having sort of that Mushroom Kingdom twist to it um, and all the crazy things that you would obviously never do on a real golf course that you can do <laughs> in this game. Um, and then also like the character selection is just really fun, amazing. Like King bob is like, you can play as King bob That's that's a, that's a seller right there for me. <laughs> so um, yeah, you know, I, I just... I, I'm obviously super familiar with the series, so um, I love it. But for anyone who maybe has not played a Mario Golf game or is a little bit worried about not understanding the you know certain concepts of golf, I would say that 
is not an issue. You can have a ton of fun in this game. I feel like that's the case for most Nintendo sports games and kind of the magic behind all of them. Like I'm not a professional racing viewer in real life or even basketball and things like that. But like any game that's based on it with the Mushroom Kingdom characters, you know, is just going to be wacky and over the top and fun and accessible in a totally different way. And I think in this game in particular, it really comes to life in some of the modes like speed golf, where just, I mean, everyone is playing their holes at the same time and running down the field, like absolutely bonkers the whole time. And you mentioned playing as King Babam when he's racing down the, the, what's the golf term for field, uh, (laughs) <laughs> down the course <laughs> the course thank you this says so much about me and sports um he's just riding on top of a bunch of tiny bombs like it's just so wacky and wonderful like I, I just can't wait for for those moments yeah like like charge and chuck there was a football <laughs> as his, as uh one of his special moves and um and i saw some people on on social media like why is he throwing a football on a golf course this is not cool but Obviously, it's kind of a joke. It's just funny that <laughs> he's throwing a football around the golf course. Yeah, I love all those special elements that really make it a Mario golf game. Yeah, not just a regular game of golf. And, and you know, Stephanie, you talked about speed golf, which looks like an amazing new addition and, and really keeps the flow of golf moving at a fast pace, which, um, you know, is, is really new for golf. And, um, and uh, you know, having to avoid hazards and collecting items to regain your stamina and then uh, kind of what you touched on, Anthony, they've got these special moves like special dashes and shots that they can kind of use. So I love that extra elevated kind of form of golf. And and um, similar to what you were saying, Stephanie, like, you know, sports sims, like really accurate, realistic sports sims are great. And for the sports that I, I follow, um, I appreciate kind of that extra realism. But for the sports I don't follow, it can be hard to like get in there and really do well and, and, and enjoy the game sometimes. But if you go back to like the old days of gaming, and of course I'm an old fogey gamer, I liked a lot of those really arcadey sports games. Um, you know, when you're playing some of those earlier football games or basketball games, I still remember playing a lot of double dribble on the NES, right? Where it was more about mastering certain very kind of video gamey mechanics, even if what was happening on screen didn't look very much like what you'd see in a real broadcast. So that's something I've always appreciated about the Mario tennis games and the Mario golf games is that, um, is that it's very accessible and really is more about the feel of it. And, and, um, you know, when you, when you hit that perfect swing and you hit the button at just the right time, um, you know, it, uh, it's just so satisfying. And, you know, having said that, there's still a surprising amount of depth, uh, you know, when you're considering all the factors, the slope of the grass, the, you know, uh, how deep the, the rough is that you're in, the wind, um, the wind, yeah. Which clubs you're going to pick, when to use your special moves. It still is very involved. So I'm not by any means saying it's like an easy game, but it is just a game that I think any, any fan can kind of come to and, and, and play it at kind of a, kind of a surface level and then really kind of dig in and kind of master um, the tougher stuff. And, you know, I got to jump right to the thing that I'm most excited about with this game is Golf Adventure. Because ever since there was like an RPG mode in Mario Golf on Game Boy Color way back when, I think it was about 22 years ago now, um, I've been really wanting this to come back because as much as I love playing individual uh, holes of golf, I love it even more when I'm gaining experience, I'm leveling up stats, 
and I'm going through a story and talking to a lot of Mushroom Kingdom characters. And then eventually I can take that character that I've leveled up and basically made a god on the golf course. I can take that into the multiplayer modes <laughs> and really benefit from all the hard work I put into the, to the golf adventure mode. So that's what I'm really looking forward to. I want to see all the boss battles that they're going to introduce. Like that was something that really intrigued me as being part of the the story adventure mode there. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree too. I think like um, you know when we talk about sort of like the Mushroom Kingdom twist, the boss battles that 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 feels like where it really comes into play. Like you're doing things that are not going to be seen in any golf course anywhere in the world so um I, I really like that part and then also one thing i was thinking and stephanie you were kind of mentioning like you know you're not too sure or at least you're not too familiar with golf but it's kind of cool that like even though the game is is obviously not um akin to like a, a sim golf game it there's still a lot of things in there that are that are really kind of just key things to know for golf like clubs um different types of shots like you kind of learn like you know what a birdie is or something like that so i think that's kind of a cool element to it is that you do get a little bit of sports knowledge in there also yeah absolutely i think uh, in the early days i think i learned the rules of sports from a lot of video games yeah <laughs> and and uh it eventually turned me on to watching some of them so you know just a couple other things to note like uh anthony you touched on this there's uh there's a lot of cool characters in this game you mentioned king babam and Charge and Chuck. Pauline's also joining the roster for the first time. There's 16 characters in total. Um, you can play the game with up to three other players locally or online, so I'm going to be doing a lot of both of those. And, uh, you know, I could go on and on about this game, but, uh, you know, it's definitely one that I'm going to be playing. You know, it's going to be sunny outside. It's going to be sunny on the course, and I'm just going to be enjoying a lot of golf this summer. And then next on July 16th, we have a big one. We have The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD. Now, of course, this is a remaster of the original uh, Wii game with several enhancements. And can you believe it's already been 10 years since that game came out? Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I, I don't know, just you saying it is kind of, uh, <laughs> it's kind of shocking to me. But, um, you know, I actually didn't play uh, the game originally, so I'm going to jump in for the first time. I'm kind of in the same boat. I picked it up back when it first came out because I was just like eyes aglow for that golden Wiimote that I just had to have. But um, I just never got around to playing it. And I honestly have been really in the mood for a very dungeon-y Zelda game lately. So it's it's kind of coming at just the right time. Yeah, I was I had to have that golden Wii remote myself. And, uh, and I actually um, played all the way through the game back in the day. And it might have my favorite story of all the Legend of Zelda games because I just love the way it ties into so many elements of the series and and um, it kind of ties it all together in a way that you didn't expect and I don't want to I don't want to spoil anything but I will say that one of my favorite um, iterations of Zelda herself is in this game. Um, she's uh, you see from the very beginning that she and Link start as childhood friends and they both live together in the clouds in this town called Skyloft. And I really just like her representation in this game. And then the game also has lots of other memorable characters too, like Fee and uh, Girahim, who's kind of the main antagonist, who's just really creepy. And then Groose, who's like this big oaf, who's kind of your rival at the beginning. But uh, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything. But he's, he's, uh, he was a constant source of amusement for me throughout the entire game. Yeah, definitely. It seems like uh, like memorable characters, uh, really great story. It's kind of like what I hear a lot when it comes to, to this game specifically, um, relative to, you know to lots of other um, Legend of Zelda games. But yeah, I, I hear a lot of sentiment, very similar to like kind of what you're saying is that like this is uh, a favorite game for some some core fans. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you too on the the point, Chris, about Zelda. I just love her character design in this game. It's so beautiful, and the whole world is such a cool, watercolory aesthetic. It's just it seems very inviting, and it's going to look even nicer seeing it on Nintendo Switch. Yeah, the the way it's built, the way it it looks, it's it's kind of a very unique entry in the series. And you know, I've always described it as it, it's structured. More like a traditional Legend of Zelda game compared to like the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. But, you know, this was the the last console a Legend of Zelda game they had before the Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So you start to see those elements. You start to see the directions that they were thinking with things like a stem and a meter for Link and, and some of the other elements of this game that would later appear in Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Yeah. 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 So the, it's it's a really interesting um installment for that for those reasons. And um and of course the big uh, kind of central feature of the original version of this game was that it was all motion controlled or very heavily motion controlled with the Wii remote back then. Um, and so even the way that you would swing the sword uh, would be, you would be swinging the uh, the Wii remote controller, you know, either a downward slash, upward, diagonal, horizontal, and then uh, you know, certain elements of the game require you to slash in certain directions. So you might have um, a giant, um, you know, uh, chomping plant monster, for example, who will bite at you either kind of with, with its mouth horizontally or, horizontally or vertically, and you kind of have to slash in the right direction to defeat it. So I found that to be really satisfying and kind of a fun kind of action-y, puzzle-y element that they'd added um, to the game. But of course, now with this new version, um, you can still do um, motion controls if you like using a Joy-Con controller, or you can, um, you know, just use buttons. And and the way that they've still used buttons, but kind of mapped the sword controls specifically to the right control stick is really interesting. So that allows you to easily kind of flick in any direction and still kind of, like I said, interact with the game in those ways where it's you specifically have to slash horizontally or vertically or diagonally. And, um, but, uh, but, you know, using it... Um, you know, with a stick instead of motion controls. So I'm interested to try both out and, and, and kind of see how it goes. I did really like the motion controls specifically for using the bow and kind of aiming your arrows and also aiming the um, the claw shots, I think they were called. So uh, I think there's definitely advantages to both styles. And then, you know, I saw, you know, Anthony, you were posting about the Zelda and Loftwing amiibo figure that's going to be coming out for this game as well. And, you know, I'm an amiibo fanatic. I've collected every amiibo so far, um, and uh, and this looks like just the detail on it, and 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 yeah. kind of the the fact that it's my favorite iteration of Zelda. This is one of the ones I really can't wait to get. Yeah, if you're if you are a um, <clears throat> one a big fan, but also a, a collector of amiibo, this is this is a really special one. I mean, like you said, just the detail. Um, <clears throat> you know, it kind of looks like there's like almost like it's almost like two amiibo like on, on one. You know, so. Um, it's kind of cool and yeah, you know, I, I just, just visually aside from, um, you know, kind of using it, but, uh, I think just visually it's, it's an awesome one to just kind of add to your collection. Yeah. And then of course, if you, uh, if you use it, um, uh, you know, we put a trailer out explaining this, but, um, you know, it can allow you to warp back and forth between the land and the sky areas from any point, um, which will be great and kind of handy. I will say that there are plenty of save points, uh, in the game and, so save points is traditionally in this game where you're allowed to warp back and forth between. So you're never that far from a save point. So it's not certainly not necessary, but definitely nice to have, uh, you know, if you've got the Amiibo to be able to use that functionality. 
so, you know, I just can't wait to play through the game again with all these new features. And I'll be really excited to hear, you know, what you guys think, uh, you know, being able to experience this game and this story kind of for the first time all the way through. Yeah, I think um, I think definitely like I'll have to try, um, you know, using the motion controls as much as I can, because um, having not played it originally, but having lots of friends who have like I I've heard that, you know, they, they enjoyed that that part of it and that it was the way it's incorporated is just really clever and, and fun. And, um, you know, I'm just curious to see, you know, how, how it all works now that, you know, I mean, I've, I've played plenty of games that use motion controls now, but um I, i'm definitely curious to see just like you know how, how great it really is so um yeah i'm definitely going to try that first probably yeah i think i'm definitely going to do the same i like to get really invested and play in, in tv mode for games like zelda so i think i'm definitely going to try the motion controls first that's awesome it's it's the opposite for me because i've already played through the original version <laughs> of the game with motion controls now i want to try the button but i'm definitely going to try them both out uh, you mentioned the story, Chris, as this one being one in particular that really stands out to you in the series. And I think that's one of the things that's drawing me in to not wanting to miss it this time around because I've just, I won't go into spoilers, of course, and how much can I go into having not played it, but um, <laughs> I've just seen some really interesting stuff about the Master Sword origins being something that you can learn about here in this game, which is just so cool as someone who's played so many Zelda games over the years. So I think those are the nuggets that um, I'm really looking forward to when I experience this game. Yeah, and you know, without spoiling anything myself, there's you get to see kind of the origins of a lot more part of the Zelda lore in this game as well. And uh, you know, the thing to keep in mind is that uh, in the timeline of 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 the Legend of Zelda games, you know, I don't think they're all necessarily on the same timeline, but for the ones that kind of are, um, this game actually is the first one. So this is this is uh, technically the first Legend of Zelda story, and um, when you when you experience it, it really gives you a different perspective, I think, on a lot of what comes later on. Yeah, I'm nice. really looking forward to that. You you mentioned the amiibo, um, and we talked about the golden Wiimote, though. But did you want to talk about the fact that there's also going to be new shiny blue Joy Cons oh, for yeah. this release? Oh, I, that totally slipped my mind. Yeah. I'm trying to picture them in my head right now, but they have some cool designs on them, right? Yeah, they're um, both shades of blue, but they do have uh, gold accents on them. So there's a little bit of a, a throwback to to the original. That's great. And, you know, I haven't splurged on you, Joy-Con, in a while, so this might be where I, I actually <laughs> it's do time. It. It's time. <laughs> yeah, it's time, Chris. It's time. <laughs> After all, I did get a brand new golden Wii Remote controller with the original version of this game. So got to keep the uh, the trend going. Chris needs all the things. Exactly. <laughs> all right. So later in the summer, on August 27th, um, we're finally going to be getting No More Heroes 3. I feel like I've been looking forward to this game for a long time. <laughs> and, you know, of course, the game, this game is being developed by Grasshopper Manufacturer, uh, who also developed the first two games uh, on Wii that I really enjoyed. And, you know, these games have a crazy kind of rebel spirit to them. You know, they just have such over-the-top action, definitely M-rated action, by the way. Uh, and uh, But it's an all-out action game where you complete missions around town to earn money to enter these ranked battles. And your goal is to work your way up through the galactic superhero rankings uh, to stop an evil prince and his 10 alien assassins from taking over the Earth. So right away, you know, how can you not be interested in, in a game <laughs> where that's what's going on? Yeah. I, and, you know, when you say it, it sounds pretty wacky, but it is just as wacky as you say it is <laughs> it's very believable but that's the best part of it um yeah you know 
obviously like it's a it's a hack and slash sort of game so like if you like that definitely it just adds to the pleasure of all the craziness that's going on but i kind of like that you know there it's like it pays homage to obviously like lots of lots of different games but it's almost like you're not just getting one game experience you're getting all different sorts of experiences as it relates to like different genres of game obviously all kind of based in that core hack and slash mechanic but i really appreciate just how they sort of um how they sort of you know pay homage to different different series and and different styles so it's definitely a unique experience not just your typical action game yeah that's that's actually something that i'm that I most look forward to in this. They did a bit of that too in the last entry, Travis Strikes Again, which I've really enjoyed the zaniness of. Um, but for this one too, I was already seeing that there's like motorcycle races and turn-based JRPG combat seat sections and all kinds of stuff. You're, you're mowing a lawn at one point, I saw. <laughs> yeah, yes. I, I, I kind of feel guilty in a way, but like I love random... Um, tasks and odd jobs in games so when i saw that they ask you to do things like mow the lawn to like pay an pay an entry fee to fight boss battles i was like oh that's 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 for me that's the one uh-huh yeah. isn't it, it it is weird so sometimes like the the mundane activities of life are the most fun things to do in a video game yeah <laughs> like like mowing a lawn you know just going to the store it's perfect you just want it to look clean and perfect but you just don't want to go outside and do it for real that was some of my favorite parts of the second No More Heroes game. Uh, they actually had all these kind of like odd jobs he would do to earn money. And in that game, they were all presented in like as like old school pixel arcade type games. And you'd be like, you know, collecting coconuts from trees. Or I think they had a lawn mowing one in that one too. But it was just all sorts of like mundane stuff. But it was great because Travis Touchdown, you know, the main character of the game was the one doing this stuff. And at times he's... He's like this really, you know, goofy guy who just, you know, spends all of his time on games and anime. At times he's like this smooth kind of like underworld figure. And and then, but he's always just entertaining to watch no matter what he's doing. So, you know, if you've got him pushing a lawnmower, even that's going to be fun. Yeah. I mean, the game is always so meta about everything it presents. Like it's, it, from what I've seen so far, it's promising to be full Suda, which I am here for. That's right, yes, Suda51, who is one of has one of the most distinct voices, I think, as a games creator. <laughs> and uh, and you can tell he's such a big wrestling fan. And you know, you can see that yeah. in these games. They're very influenced at times by like um, you know, Lucha Libre wrestling or Travis Touchdown doing suplexes on people in addition to, you know, slashing with his beam katana. Oh, and one of the cool things they're adding this time is there's like a skill tree, and there's also like this death glove thing that he gets. So, you know, you can change, I guess, the chip combinations in the death club to kind of adjust your your fighting style. So it seems like there's extra strategy there now in terms of how you can uh, kind of build your character out and configure him to fight in different ways. So I can't wait. I've been waiting a long time and I'm ready to play this game finally. Um, just to, to get to uh, have fun with Travis Touchdown again is going to be a very fun thing to do this summer. Yeah, you know, I feel like I I, I know when I re I know I really enjoy a game when I'm kind of just like playing and I'm like, really? All right, I guess we're like, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> like, <laughs> like those are the moments where I'm like, yeah, this game's good. <laughs> so I feel like I get a lot of those moments in this in this series. There was one I, I forget the specifics of it, but there was one boss battle in one of the past games where they had this huge 
kind of like cinematic story scene buildup to it. And it looks like it's going to be this impossible boss and it just builds up and builds up. And then before you even get a chance to fight, like something happens and the boss is just done for and it's like over. And it's like there, there really actually is no boss fight. And but it was just such a great, funny kind of gag that um, those type of things just pop up in these games all the time. And, and, and you can tell they had a lot of fun just throwing all their ideas into these games. Yeah. And Travis Touchdown has an amazingly cool motorcycle that you use to get around town. So I've, I've, I've definitely spent a ton of time just driving around that motorcycle in yeah. past games. Yeah, it's going to be fun. All right, so, you know, we could talk for hours and hours uh, about all the games that are coming. There's just so many. Uh, but, you know, we only have so much time. So I'm going to move us to a lightning round so we can squeeze in a few more of these games that, uh, that I know that um, some of us really want to point out to people. And I'm going to start with Aerial Knights Never Yield uh, from Head Up Games, which actually came out May 19th. And, um, you know, this is a side-scrolling 3D runner where you run, jump, slide, dash. Uh, the game has a really cool style and great music and a free demo. So what's not to like? Oh, I, I was just playing the demo for this this week, and the music was incredible and such a cool take on runners that I've never seen before. So I'm, I need to check out the full game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, same here. The the music definitely was one thing that caught me. So um, I haven't checked out the full game yet, but uh, that's that they sold me on that part already. So I, I'm I'm definitely gonna check it out. Absolutely, that music is really cool. And then on May 24th, we had Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne HD Remaster from Atlas and Sega. So you know, this is the fan favorite RPG is back with remastered 3D models and backgrounds, new difficulty settings. Uh, the ability to save your progress anywhere, and they've added um, uh, Japanese and English voiceovers. So I think fans of that series will have a lot to look forward to. And then World's End Club from uh, Izanagi Games and NIS America on May 28th. Stephanie, I think this is one of the ones you were looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, anyone who's listening um, and has already played the Famicom Detective Club games, this one might be up their alley. It's, it's a mystery adventure from Kotaro Uchikoshi at the Writing Helm, who's known for some of his fantastic stories like um, Nine Hours, Nine Persons, Nine Doors. I feel like I always need to double think, make sure I got that order correct. Yeah, and it just follows a group of students that are stuck in this weird, mysterious theme park, and you have to escape but first partake in a crazy game of fate to test your friendship. I didn't realize that was the same creator. Nine Was it Nine Hours, Nine Persons? <laughs> Nine Doors, if yep, I'm saying that right. Yep, there yep. You go. I remember that game was like a really big kind of collector's game uh, mm -hmm, for, mm -hmm. what was it, Nintendo DS? Yeah, Nintendo um, DS. Had a really hardcore fan base, so that's awesome. So I'm definitely going to check that out. And then um, next we have DC Superhero Girls, Teen Power on June 4th. Play as Wonder Woman, Supergirl, and Batgirl, Save Metropolis from classic DC supervillains. Um, Stephanie, this is another one I think you were you were mentioning. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the TV series, so I think this is going to be a fun one for families um, to actually get a chance to play as their favorite heroes. Um, not just the heroes, but also you get a chance to play the villains too, like Catwoman and Harley Quinn. So that'll be super fun. But you also get to balance life as a teenager going to school. This sounds pretty interesting, and I love uh, all those DC characters. All right, so on June 10th, we got Ninja Gaiden uh, Master Collection from Koei Tecmo. And I played the first of these games back in the day, and let me tell you, it kicked my butt pretty hard. Like, these games can be really challenging. I did manage to beat it, though, so I'm thinking maybe I've, I've enough time has passed I've built up the courage to play the other games in this collection. <laughs> yeah, I, I, cannot, uh, I cannot resonate with you more on that. This game is, uh, there is lots of pain you will feel from 
not being able to to get past a certain part or get a certain combo off but once you nail it it feels so good so um definitely uh it you know they can be challenging but it's worth it yeah when it's flowing it's pretty cool and stylish so it's worth getting good then on june 24th we have legend of mana from square enix uh this is a remaster of the original 1999 jrpg uh, that has kind of a cool new graphics style. The characters are still pixelated sprites. I mean, they're very detailed pixelated sprites, but the background, uh, the backgrounds are these like lushly drawn illustrations. So just looking at this game, just seeing what it looks like has made me very interested. Yeah, this game is a favorite of a bunch of my friends. So I've, I've always wanted to try it and I've been feeling a little nostalgic lately for um, JRPGs. So I'm hoping this is going to hit the sweet spot. Yeah, it's another one of those opportunities to jump in and play at a, an improved version of a game you might have heard of before and never had a chance to try. Mm -hmm. uh, and speaking of, um, of RPGs, we have a tactical RPG coming out on June 29th with Discaea 6, Defiance of Destiny. Um, this one, I think, is the first game in the series to feature 3D visuals. So something new for the fans to check out. And then Monster Hunter Stories 2, Wing of Ruin from Capcom on July 9th. Um, Stephanie, I'm sure, you, I know you're a big Monster Hunter fan. You know, I'm not telling you anything here, but this is the next in the series of, of the turn-based RPG Monster Hunter games that are more like traditional JRPGs with more of a focus on story. And what's cool is that uh, the first game was on Nintendo 3DS, so it's cool to kind of see the series make the jump to Nintendo Switch. Yeah, there's a bit more, um, more mechanic to it outside of just the turn-based combat uh, and the story, you also raise monsters in the game. So hmm. that's kind of a fun twist on the Monster Hunter universe. Yeah, that's cool. Something different for the fans there. And then uh, you have Chris Tales from Dreams Incorporated and Modus Games on July 20th. Um, this looks like an interesting game. It's inspired by classic JRPGs. Um, and the core mechanic is, I'm not even sure if I can explain it and do it justice, um, but there's a free demo, so people should just check it out. But like you are simultaneously interacting with the past, the present, and the future. Um, so you might be in a battle where you're kind of battling across, you know, timelines, uh, and you're interacting with multiple time periods simultaneously. So it, it, it sounds like there's a lot of really creative room there to have some very interesting, you know, dynamics and puzzles, maybe situations. I just, I, you know, when I watched the trailer and saw how they're even just visually kind of splitting the different time periods, it's really interesting looking. Yeah, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a sucker for like, like storylines that have time, like time warping <laughs> somehow mm -hmm. involved. Uh, I, I like that, that general like concept and uh, games that have that type of story. So I'm not too familiar with this game, um, but you know, it definitely sounds um, like a really cool story. So I want to check it out. Yep. And uh, on July 27th, we've got the great Ace Attorney Chronicles from Capcom, which bundles together two games in the series that were um, previously only available in Japan. And I've got friends who are super into the series and have been for years and years. But for whatever reason, I even own several of these games and I've just never really checked them out. But, you know, I've been really enjoying Famicom Detective Club, those games recently, which we'll get to in just more in just a minute. Um, so now I'm, I'm kind of looking at these Ace Attorney games with a new eye, like, you know, solving crimes and then going to court to, to punish the bad guys. I think that's something I'm really in the mood for right now. And they're so wacky. I screamed out loud when they finally announced this coming to the West. Um, you get to investigate alongside the great Herlock Sholmes yes. and, <laughs> and young Miss Iris Watson. Uh-huh. 
It's going to be great. This is <laughs> yeah. perfect. I, I I was sold on Herlock Shams for sure. I, I, <laughs> I don't have a ton of, I don't have too much experience with the games, but um, that just speaks to the wackiness of it all. So I'm in. That's awesome. So, and you know, the last game here we've got in our lightning round list, I think Stephanie was another one of your picks and this is Neo, the world ends with you from Square Enix. Oh yeah, it's so awesome that there's going to be a new uh, story in the Twoey universe, as a lot of the fans call it. Um, it's just totally dripping with style, and um, as it's known for, you know, stylized version of Shibuya um, that is where it'll take place. And you take on a new Reapers game this time around, and there's like tons of different psych abilities that you get to employ in, in combat. It's it's a really cool, creative take. I'm excited to go back to the world. Awesome. Yeah, I know that series is a huge fan base. I was excited to see another game coming. So, wow. I mean, that was a ton of games, but it was still just a, a kind of a small handful of all the games that will actually be coming out over the next few months. So, again, I said this before, but I would encourage anybody who, who found any of these games interesting to check out more info and trailers and stuff uh, for any of them at Nintendo.com. Um, there's a lot of uh, cool stuff out there that will give you an even bigger picture of what uh, these games are going to offer. Just going through that list with you, I'm just just noticed like if you like Japanese games in particular or RPGs, this the summer of Nintendo Switch is going to be extra treat for you. It's gonna be a good one. Yeah, absolutely for sure. All right, so next we're moving on to Players Pulse, and uh, you know, so just a few days ago, like normal, just for fun, we posted three polls on Twitter for Nintendo fans to answer, and the first question we asked was if games were real, which summary destination would you visit? And the options that we gave uh, were Isle Delfino, which people remember from uh, Super Mario Sunshine, Outset Island, which of course is where Link starts his adventure in The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker, Woohoo Island, which was the location for all of the Wii Sports games, and then uh, Your Island in Animal Crossing New Horizons. So, uh, Stephanie, if you had a choice of visiting Al Delfino, Outset Island, Woohoo Island, or your island in Animal Crossing New Horizons, I mean, visiting it for real, which one would you choose? I strongly considered Outset Island because I just love treasure and there's treasure all around. But my Animal Crossing Island can be anything I want. Like, it could be Halloween all year round, and that's just, you can't beat that. So, Animal Crossing. All right, well, I'm just going to go ahead and say that the uh, the top vote-getter from the fans was actually Al Delfino at 39%. Um, Woohoo Island was second. Animal Crossing was third. So, uh, But overall, a pretty pretty even split um, after Al Delfino, which, which got a pretty big chunk there. Nice. All right, so the next question was, who have you mostly made me characters of? And the choices are family and friends, celebrities, or bizarre creations. So, Anthony... Just speaking for yourself, is it when you make a lot of uh, you know me characters? Does it tend to be family and friends, celebrities, or just something weird and bizarre? <laughs> um, you know, family and friends. I, I make I make those often because um, just you know it's kind of like the first thing that comes to mind when you're playing. But I would say probably like the bizarre creations are more up my alley, just because you want to do the craziest things you can do in the game and make the wackiest scenes and scenarios you can. So um, that's that's my choice. I don't know what the people said, but... Like, that, like putting sort of mouths like. up by your eyebrows kind of stuff? Yes, yeah. like uh, any creepy. and everything. All the crazy <laughs> what, makeup you can add to. When I'm waiting in that online waiting room to play a, 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 a match in a Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, and I'm like, how did that guy get a, a, a giant ant on his face? And then you start dissecting <laughs> the pieces. And, okay, that, those are the eyebrows. 
All right, so uh, Bizarre Creations, <laughs> actually, the fans agreed with you, Anthony. That was the top vote nice. getter at 48%. It was pretty close, though. Family and Friends was 44%, and then Celebrities, just 8%. So it's either Family and Friends, people you know, or it's just whacked out crazy stuff. Yeah, like you said, you know, you got to get Grandma as the, as the bad guy in there, too, sometimes. Yeah, Grandma's <laughs> got to be the Dark Lord, for sure. All right, so the final poll was, um, based on the, just the title alone, which game sounds more interesting? Famicom Detective Club, The Girl Who Stands Behind, or Famicom Detective Club, The Missing Heir? Either one of you. Which do you think, it, you know, and you've probably, you've played these games by now, but if if you're just looking at the title, which one do you think grabs your attention the most? Well, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to go on a limb and say, I feel like The Girl Who Stands Behind is has less of a, of a, it doesn't really tell you what the story is all about as much as The Missing Air, maybe. So I, I would probably say The Girl Stands Behind. But uh, Stephanie, what do you think? Going just on title alone, um, I think The Girl That Stands Behind is a more mysterious and intriguing title. So I'd, I'd probably have gone for that one if I didn't already play both of them and know. I would have too. And in fact, that's the game I started with because uh, I found the title so intriguing and the fans agreed. Uh, they chose that one 60% to 40% for Famicom Detective Club, The Missing Era. So still not too far apart, all things mm -hmm. considered. And speaking of those Famicom Detective Club games, we are now going to do, move over to Nintendo Power Game Club. And we're going to talk about Famicom Detective Club, The Girl Who Stands Behind, and Famicom Detective Club, The Missing Air. Uh, these both just came out on May 14th, and I had been really looking forward to them because, you know, I'd always heard about the original games that came out back in, you know, back in the day in Japan in the late 80s, um, which never came over here. And, uh, you know, Famicom, of course, means, you know, it stands for Family Computer, which was the name of the Nintendo Entertainment System in Japan. And actually, you know, the original versions of these games came out for the family computer disk system, which we never even got over here. So it's really cool to finally see these, these remakes come our way so fans like me over here can finally get to play, you know, this missing piece of Nintendo history. And so, you know, we all played, uh, you know, the games. But before we dig into our conversation, I want to start just by um, sharing a couple of comments that people made about the game on Twitter. And I'm going to start with Skitty, who says, uh, you know, beat the missing heir last night and bought the girl who stands behind right after. I've never played murder mystery games before, and I'm having a blast. I might check out Ace Attorney after these. <gasps> and then NM said, wasn't expecting these games to have such a gripping story. The mechanics are smooth and to the point, and I loved guessing who the killer was, especially when I was right. Also, the music is so good, and I love hearing the older versions of some of these tracks, too. I loved it. You know, so as the comments uh, kind of described, uh, these games are murder mysteries. You know, there's no platforming, no action, just deep stories with a lot of twists for the player to investigate and puzzle out. So, you know, Stephanie, I know you really got into these games. How would you describe them to people who have never played something like this before? Um, well, first of all, I love that the comment you read, uh, this was their first foray into the genre. That just makes me so happy that people are still discovering it for the first time, um, like visual novels or adventure games, because that's one of one of my favorites. And um, I think the best way to explain it would be, um, you kind of touched on it a little bit that you're playing a character and investigating the mystery, but the biggest like interaction part for you is moving to different locations, um, talking to different suspects, and you're the one who's basically clicking um, different 
selections on a menu of what you're going to do and how you're going to interact with what you see in front of you, whether it's clicking the talk button to talk to who's in front of you or a call button to um, get someone else's attention that's off screen, um, take an item that you may see on a table, things like that are the ways that you actually interact from a gameplay uh, perspective. And it's really about moving from location to location and meeting a, a huge cast of characters to understand like, what different characters' motives might be? Are they the ones that maybe committed the crime? And um, you've got this handy-dandy notebook that logs all that information for you as you progress so you can kind of piece together the, the different um, clues that you've, you've gathered. Yeah, you know, one thing that, uh, you know, you talked about many of the ways that you interact with the game. Something that I kind of learned as I was playing it was, I mean, you can sit there and kind of just spam every option. Like you might have a, a someone that you're talking to and you're questioning standing right in front of you. And if you want to, you can, like you said, you can you can ask them all sorts of questions. There might be a whole list of topics you could mm -hmm. ask them about. You could you could decide to examine the area around that person or even, you know, examine that person themselves to see if you can catch any clues. And you can just sit there and kind of go option by option and just, you know, click on it, click on it, click on it. And, you know, kind of being lazy in a way and just until kind of something new pops up. But I found that the game really starts to flow and pick up and, and, and you really start to succeed when you are really thinking about, okay, this guy just mentioned this person. So even though he, he didn't say much about this person when I asked before, I'm gonna go back to this other option in the talk menu and ask about them again. And now he's gonna say something totally different. So finding the right way kind of through those 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 dialogue trees is kind of part of the fun of it. and and you're playing best when you're kind of approaching it like you would in real life. You're not trying to outsmart the game. You're just trying to think, yeah, if I was really questioning somebody, what would be my next question? What would be my next thought? And usually the game is right there and you have the option to kind of take that natural direction. Yeah, I think that was kind of the development for me, which is like initially early on, I thought it was like, I can't solve a case unless I touch every item in the room and I talk to every person <laughs> that, that's in this room. But yeah, you do kind of have to like change the way you think. The first, I mean, early on, you know, yeah, I mean, it is kind of like that. You know, you just want to kind of get a feel of the case and everything going on. But um, yeah, kind of thinking of it in that way, like, okay, well, they said this and um, things happened in this order definitely changes your style of gameplay and helps you progress throughout the, like, the games early on. So um, yeah, that was an interesting development for me. It also really uses a big surprise for me um, as someone who plays a lot of these games is just how sometimes it is pretty creative with how they use those um, options that you have to interact with the characters. There was one moment, and I, I won't spoil it, but um, you're literally trying to talk someone off a, a ledge and um, you have to use the actions that you have in front of you in a very... Um, new and different way, you really have to think about what you have in front of you other than talk or take or explore. And it's it's pretty cool and it really surprised me of of how they use that. I'm, I won't lie, there are some moments where I, I was staring at every single option for like <laughs> a long time, but I mean, it's like you said, you know, it's that mindset, you have to sort of uh, think of the situation, but yeah, <laughs> I definitely was just like, I don't know what else to press. I've pressed every option. 
I can't, I can't move forward. Well, I do like that it's broken up into both of the games are broken up by chapters too. So when I was playing, um, I was texting with one of my friends the whole time of just like, oh, did you get to chapter six yet? I don't want to spoil it for you. And she's like, oh my gosh, yes, let's talk about this crazy twist that just happened. And what do you think's going to happen? We had very much like a fun book club style of play while we were going through both of them. But, um, on the flip side, it also was helpful to, you know, if we ever got, like, unsure of, like, what's the next step or something, um, we could talk about, like, the chapter point that we're at. And, oh, have you thought about talking to so-and-so yet? And you're like, oh, I forgot about him. I haven't been to his house in, a, in an hour or whatever. <laughs> That's right. And you have a surprising amount of freedom sometimes because, you know, sometimes the game really kind of pushes you toward a certain location or a certain person. And other times you're just back at your detective agency and you have the option to kind of travel and go see various different people at various locations. So you really have to, to think about it. And uh, I, I love it uh, when the game surprises you with kind of new mechanics. Like at one point I had to piece together kind of a theory of what I think was actually going on or what I had just learned. And it almost became like a, it, the way it was presented in the game was almost like a test. It was like, you know, do you think such and such you know, was such and such. And then you have to kind of fill in the blank with multiple choice options. And I, every time I picked one, I think, I think this is right, but I'm nervous. And every time I got the, you know, correct, you know, it felt great. And so I love that even when you're just kind of sitting there making your own deductions, there's like a fun mechanic in the game to kind of piece all that together. And channel your inner Angela Lansbury. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will say like being invested in into the game that way too, it, it, it makes those moments like some of those like aha moments like so much more exciting like i i genuinely like kind of just like popped off at some moments like <laughs> like with shocked face and everything uh having like figured it out you know or like when you know you figure one thing out and then a key moment happens in the next uh scene so yeah i think having that investment in it definitely makes the payoff so so much better but it, it def it's a, it's exciting either way but i think that's definitely part of it well, that's that's definitely the hook. And the cool part about that, too, is like um, there's multiple mysteries usually playing throughout the story as you progress. And what's really fun is when you really hit that crossroads of when they start to intersect and you're just like, ah, now I really need to know what happens. This is crazy. I can't believe they all how they overlap. And I know in when I was playing specifically The Missing Era, I, I don't remember the exact chapter, maybe eight or something, um, something started lining up and I just couldn't believe it. And I played until like 3 a.m., just had to see it through to the end. It just kept unraveling in such an interesting way. It's almost like reading a great book or watching a really, uh, you know, a TV show that you're really into and you just have to get through the whole season to see what happens. Only you're actually kind of driving the story because it all relies on you making the right choices to, to get to the next part. Um, and, you know, kind of to that end of just the, the the storytelling and the presentation, I was really impressed with the visuals. I mean, there's a lot of animation and the backgrounds are all really, um, you know, wonderfully kind of painted. And, um, you know, this is a, a, you know, I'm not super familiar with the originals. Like I said, since those the old uh, Famicom games didn't come over here, but this is a massive, this has to be one of the biggest upgrades, you know, a remake has <laughs> ever gotten because... It looks great and, um, and you know, so much voice acting. The voice acting is all in Japanese, but of course it's subtitled. And, uh, but you can still pick up on the performances and, um, yeah. and you know, I'm really enjoying it. I actually, just to touch on that a little bit more, um, the voice acting is in Japanese, but it's, 
I think it felt really natural given the settings of both of the games. Mm -hmm. For The Missing Air, it takes place largely in the Japanese countryside. So it, it kind of feels really fitting given some of the themes you encounter, just hearing it in um, Japanese at times. And the talent is really top notch. Like the voice actor for the protagonist that you play as is Megumi Ogata, who is very well known in like the anime universe um, for works like Neon Genesis Evangelion as the main character and things like that. So really top talent in the game and it, it comes through in the, the performances they give. Yeah, you know, some of the, the performances they, they give in certain moments, you know, along with the music, which is amazing, can really kind of like make the game feel spooky and like creepy. And <laughs> I remember there was one part when I was playing um, the girl who stands behind where all I did is I went from the front of the school around to the back of the school where no one else was hanging out. But the music gets kind of like creepy and you get the sense that yeah. a, the girl whose murder you're investigating had once come back here and you don't know why. And I'm like looking over my shoulder. I'm like, what's going to happen in this place? So I, I love the games when they get really spooky like that. Yeah, I feel like it's also it's not just like, um, or, I mean, it's also just like the, the little sounds and things like that that you hear like, you know, um, like sort of like when you when you uncover a key uh, key element of like a case or something and makes that little like that kind of like chime that like doo -doo 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 -doo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like sp spooky but also like aha <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I think those moments are um, are de they definitely like just add to the suspense of the cases and and also um, again just thinking about the missing air since I played that one first so it really stuck with me. Um, one thing I wasn't expecting is you have the main overarching murder mystery, which in this game um, is the head of the Ayashiro clan has been mm -hmm. murdered, and you're going to the countryside to figure out like who would do this. She's the head of a wealthy family, so there's a lot of shady ties to them um, and a lot of greedy family members, and you're trying to figure that out. But that's not the only murder, and so as more things unravel and more characters get killed. I was just like, I, I, I thought he was the guy and now he's gone. Like, yeah, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that at all. And it, it happens a few times. Yeah. I definitely had to hit the drawing board. Um, thinking specifically, I mean, like you're talking about the missing or I had to hit the drawing board a couple times, uh, again, like, well, I guess what I thought th th that first time around was not what's actually happening here. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. There's a lot of twists. It's really fun. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm really enjoying these games. I haven't beaten both of them yet, but I'm definitely going to keep at it. And it's just so cool to finally be able to play, like I said, these missing pieces of Nintendo history, um, but like, you know, and, and bigger and better than they ever were back in the day. Yeah, and, and it's also written by um, Yoshio Sakamoto, known for the Metroid series, which is really cool. Yeah, awesome. I'd heard that. You know, it's crazy to think, you know, back in the day especially, and I guess it's still true today, just how many different people uh, or how many people in the development teams at Nintendo, just the, the vast variety of types of games and experiences they've worked on. Um, yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah he wild. came back to help with this one too and, and oversee the project, which was awesome. That's fantastic. All right, well... We're going to be going, uh, we're, this is going to be a special giant-sized episode, I think, <laughs> but it's great. It's just, I'm having too much fun hanging out and talking with you guys, but we are going to move on now to the Warp Zone quiz. And this is, of course, is where we guess games that came out 10, 20, and 30 years ago, this time during the month of June. So you guys ready? 
Maybe. Let's, let, let, let's do it. Let's, let's see how it goes. I, I told <laughs> Anthony right. earlier, we have very different knowledge, so we're going to um, infuse our energies together and see what we yeah, can exactly. do. Yeah, exactly. Work together as a team. All right. So the first one is 10 years ago in June of 2011, the clues are Nintendo released a Wii title containing a collection of games created by guest developers, including games called Cone Zone, Pose Me Plus, Skip Skimmer, and Trigger Twist. And the games all took advantage of the advanced motion control found in the Wii Remote Plus controller, which came bundled with the game. Any guesses? It is, I think, uh, Wii Play Motion. Is that, is that? Whoa, that's exactly right. Wii Play Motion. I, I know. I, I just know Wii Play Motion because, I don't know, for some reason, it's one of those games that sticks in my head during the time. My birthday is in June, so I always remember a lot of the games that come out uh especially during that period i mean i was i was like you know getting to be a teenager so um i remember those games <laughs> that's awesome well well done all right that was one of the tougher ones so let's see how you do on this next one this is 20 years ago in uh, june of 2001 the clues are nintendo released a racing game for the launch of game boy advance that brought a popular series brand of mode 7 racing to a handheld for the first time with a colorful cast of characters competing in the Pawn, Knight, Bishop, and Queen Grand Prix. Any guesses? I'll say the story in this game took place 25 years after the series' original Super NES game, so a certain captain is nowhere to be found this time. I was going to say F-Zero originally, but I was nervous. <laughs> well, you're most of the way there. I'll just oh. go ahead and say it's F-Zero Maximum Velocity. Uh, this was actually a launch title for Game Boy Advance, which, can you believe, turns 20 years old this month. My another, gosh. Uh, wow. Uh, I was just thinking about that series. Another big reminder of, of uh, how long I've been enjoying these games. Um, and the system, just uh, FYI, also launched with Super Mario Advance, which included Super Mario Brothers 2 and Mario Brothers, and Castlevania Circle of the Moon, which I absolutely loved uh, back in the day. So really cool month for uh, handheld gamers. Well, Stephanie, I'm glad you said you were nervous and said it because I too was nervous. So <laughs> I was waiting for you to say it. I was I thought about it right away, but then he said the the chess pieces, and I was like, wait, was that what they were called? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a weird, you know, in a series of like really cartoony, nutty kind of racers, that it's uh, all you know named after the elegant chess pieces. Yeah, unexpected. Yeah. All right, so this last one here was 30 years ago, June of 1991. Uh, this rare developed game introduced NES players to Rash, Zitz, and Pimple in one of the most challenging beat-em-ups ever created, with one of the most infamous stages on the NES called Turbo Tunnel, which had players dodge walls at high speed on their speed bikes. Any Is it Battle Toads? That's right, Battle Toads. Okay. Battle Toads, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> like, not from when I was one year old, but, you know, I do remember <laughs> the game. <laughs> their goober right, names well, is what clicked in my brain. Yeah, yeah, those are goober names. All right, so three for three, great job, but you're not clear yet. You've got the bonus question. This is an audio question, and I'm going to play a sound. In this case, it's kind of our first jingle that we're using here. I'm going to see if you guys can guess what it's from. Here we go. Any guesses on what that's from? Captain Toad? That's right, Captain oh. Toad Treasure Tracker. It was the end Phew. of that. End of that. That I was like, okay, wait, I kind of know what this is. <laughs> but yeah. you got it definitely before me. You're just like bopping <laughs> along with it, and then Toad shows up. 
Yeah. That's the, um, that's the little jingle that plays every time uh, you beat a level in Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. Mm-hmm. On, uh, you know, the, the Nintendo 3DS version, Nintendo Switch version, Wii U version, uh, you always get that lovely singing voice from Toad. All right, well, great. Four for four. And now we're going to move on to the game forecast. This is where we take a quick look at some of the Nintendo Switch games that recently released or are coming soon. And, you know, we went over a lot of these, maybe even most of these, actually, in our Summer Games preview. But this is a, this is a more full list of key games that are going to be coming out this month in June. And, you know, also backing up just a little bit into May. So I'm going to run through these really quick. Again, on May 19th, we had Ariel Knights Never Yield from Head Up Games and Sunless Skies Sovereign Edition from Fail Better Games. On May 20th, we had Layers of Fear 2 from Bloober Team. On May 21st, once again, we had Knockout City from Electronic Arts and Metopia from Nintendo. May 24th, we had Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne HD Remaster from Atlas and Sega. On May 25th, Very Very Valet from Toyful came out. And then on May 26th, Muta's, uh, am I saying this right? Mutazioned from uh, Daigut Fabrique and Akupara Games, which I may have just completely mangled. Excuse me there. And then on May 28th, we had Worlds In Club from Izanagi Games and NIS America. June 4th, we get DC Superhero Girls, Teen Power from Nintendo, and The Last Kids on Earth and the Staff of Doom from Stage Clear Games and Outright Games. On June 10th, we've got that Ninja Gaiden Master Collection from Koei Tecmo. On June 11th, Game Builder Garage from Nintendo. June 24th, Legend of Mana from Square Enix. And June 25th, Mario Golf Super Rush from Nintendo. And then finally, on June 29th, we've got Disgaea 6, Defiance of Destiny from Nippon Ichi Software and NIS America. And Zombies Ate My Neighbors and Ghoul Patrol from Disney Interactive, kind of a a, a combination of classic games from the Super NES era. So uh, obviously, we talked about a lot of this stuff before, but really quick, Stephanie and Anthony, is there anything here that you're especially looking forward to playing? Yeah, you know, I mean, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, Knockout City, which obviously that's one that I'll, I'll probably be playing for a while. Um, but, you know, I, I do want to, I kind of want to dive into uh, the Shin Megami Tensei, Shin Megami Tensei 3, um, really because it, it's not uh, a title that I was super f- familiar with. I mean, I'm kind of familiar with the Persona series and, and the things that happen in that series. So um, kind of having that, like, vague familiarity with the series, uh, knowing, you know, it's kind of like a, a spinoff there, but... Um, and I, I kind of want to just like jump in and, and see what that's all about. I know it's a kind of a classic JRPG experience, so excited for that one for sure. And then also some of the other games we talked about. That yeah. game is such a perfect dose of dark and weird. I, I hope you like it. It'll be cool. Dark and weird. It sounds like it's right up my alley then. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. For me, the one I'm probably most looking forward to in the next month or maybe it'll be out by the time this podcast releases, but World's End Club for me. I'll never miss a, a story written by Uchikoshi-san. He's just so crazy and wild and weird horror sci-fi mashups. I, I won't miss this one. Awesome. Well, I kind of said this before, but I think for the whole summer, really, Mario Golf Super Rush is what I'm looking forward to the most. But, you know, Game Builder Garage, Knockout City, Metopia, there's so much here. I'm going to be plenty busy. All right, so we actually have one more special bonus segment left that I recorded earlier about Nintendo's new competitive play partnership with Play Versus. So Stephanie and Anthony, I'm going to let you go here before I switch over. Um, But thanks for coming on the show. It was a real blast talking about all these games with you. Likewise. Always super fun. Always a pleasure. Yeah, so much fun and so much to play. (laughs) I know. Now I'm just realizing like how big my backlog is going (laughs) to be. All right, well, good luck with that, and we'll see you next time.
Bye. All right. Bye. Joining me now for a very special bonus discussion is Bill from Nintendo Treehouse. It's always great to see you, Bill. Great to see you, Chris. And Delane Parnell, the founder and CEO of Play Versus. Thanks for joining us, Delane. Yeah, it's awesome to be here, Chris. We're here to talk about the new partnership between Play Versus and Nintendo. Um, but before we get to that, Delane, as the founder of Play Versus, why don't you tell us you know, what your organization is all about? Yeah, absolutely. So Play Versus is a competitive gaming platform where high school and college stage gamers compete. And the only place where you know gaming qualifies as varsity athletics in the U.S. and Canada. That's awesome. I wish this was around back when I was in school. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Great. Now, um, Bill, what can you tell us about how Nintendo is getting involved? Uh, well, we've been in conversations with Play Versus for quite a while, and so we're really excited to be able to announce the partnership finally. Um, you know, Play Versus is going to be bringing Super Smash Brothers Ultimate and Splatoon 2 to their high school seasons this coming fall, and that means that high school students all over the, the country, U.S. and Canada, are going to be able to join teams and compete against other schools um, and potentially earn a varsity letter in, in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate and Splatoon 2. Um, and so that we're really excited excited about. Uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is going to get added in the spring. Um, you know, and for us, this is an important next step as we continue to look at ways to increase and expand and kind of diversify our support for competitive play across a number of different Nintendo games. That's awesome. So just more ways for people to join in. And, and uh, Delane, um, so what do you think about being able to add these Nintendo titles to what Play Versus uh, has to offer? Oh, we're super excited, um, you know, about adding Nintendo IP. Um, you know, a lot of people around the company grew up playing Smash. There's a lot of nostalgia uh, around the, the IP, specifically that IP. We, in fact, have um, a Smash League internally. Um, uh, my team is hopefully the front runner for uh, this upcoming season. Uh, we're playing our seeding game soon. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're pumped about it. Um, it's a big part of our everyday life. Um, and, you know, it means a lot to be in partnership with such an iconic brand as Nintendo. Can you talk maybe just a little bit more, you know, for people that maybe aren't as plugged in, like, you know, what the experience would be like if people are able to, to, to join in and, and, and what, you know, what, what, I don't know, what a season might be like, just kind of how it progresses? Sure. And so, you know, we have an official partnership with the NFHS, which is the National Federation of State High School Athletic Associations. Um, they govern and write the rules for all high school sports in America and, you know, also are affiliated in Canada. Uh, we partner with uh, their state associations. There's typically one in each state. Um, and with those state associations, we roll esports down to their schools. Schools can build um, programs. Um, those programs stretch across, you know, many games and reach as many kids as there's interest uh, at a particular high school. A uh, couple, uh, you know, key points there is that, um, you know, you know, typically a football team or a basketball team may have roster limitations. An esports program does not. It's also co-ed, so it's the first um, time um, and uh, and you know traditional um, sports and activities where um, boys and girls can compete uh, on the same roster. Um, side by side and, you know, amongst each other with no separation in that competition. Um, uh, uh, you know, kids would um, compete uh, in two four-month seasons every single school year. So um, one in the fall, one in the spring. Each season features a preseason, a regular season, and then a postseason. Um, there's, uh, you know, certain amount of matches that you play in a regular season. The best teams uh, qualify for uh, the postseason, and then they compete for either a state or a regional championship, depending on which market they're in. 
Um, and it's a ton of fun. Um, we've had now six seasons. We reach uh, roughly 43% of all high schools in the country today. And, um, and, you know, kids are, you know, um, you know, really passionate about being able to display their talents. And we're excited that they're able to be recognized for them. The other thing that's really great about this, at least from a, a Nintendo perspective, one is the programs, you know, they are, they're based there in the school. They've got coaches from the school that are overseeing the programs and, and helping the kids uh, kind of, you know, through the, the season and the program and everything. For us, you know, we look at Splatoon 2 and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and we, we see those two games in, in a couple of different positions competitively. With Splatoon 2, there's a, there's a core kind of competitive community, but it it's, can be hard to find opportunities to form teams and, and participate. And I think this is a tremendous opportunity for people who are, you know, have played Splatoon 2, but have never actually competed on a team to, to find a much easier way to form a team and start getting active competitively. Um, I think as we all know, Super Smash Brothers has a, a very devoted and passionate um, community that, that uh, has a really strong uh, competitive scene. Um, but even what we've seen is that, um, you know, there are a lot of people who play Smash Brothers who might never make the leap to, you know, participating in a tournament. And particularly for kids on the younger side of things, you know, in their, their teen and high school years, this becomes a great way for them to participate at a level of, of play that is, um, you know, commensurate with sort of their own skill level. They're, they're not going up against people that have been competing um, for years and years and years for a long time in the competitive scene. It's their chance to kind of dip their toe in, um, compete and, and get a, a taste for that. And then, and then we'll see where, you know, hopefully we'll start to see more and more players coming together and, and getting an interest in, in playing Smash Brothers competitively that way. I think it's also great because, um, you know, at the same time, because of these these high school team structures, it's a great way to for kids who maybe won't participate in traditional high school sports um, to to find kind of a place where they can have a, a similar type of experience and and build that camaraderie with with a team as they're playing um, on their their local high school team and competing in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate and Splatoon Two. Yeah, and just to piggyback on to Bill's point, you know, we found that play versus helps drive discovery as well. You know, 50% of our players on some of our most popular titles had never played uh, that particular game before. Um, they started competing on Play Versus. And so, um, you know, we're going to uh, be able to reach, you know, kids who currently play both Splatoon and Smash and eventually Mario Kart Deluxe. Um, but, um, you know, we're also going to, you know, help bring new players to the titles. That's fantastic. So how can people find out if, um, first of all, if their school um, participates or even if not, how they might be able to um you know, organize something and, and join in. Yeah, you just sign up on playversus.com. If your team um, already has a program, we'll let you know upon signing up. If your team does not have a program, as a player, we'll allow you to refer a coach. Um, that coach can then also sign up and then verify you as a student and help build you guys together can help build that program. Um, uh, and if, uh, uh, if, uh, if you've already invited a coach, you know, then that coach will get a notification and we'll, you know, use our, our operations team to help get a program started there. That's awesome. And I was checking out playversus.com a little earlier myself, and it looks like there's a lot of other good information there too, that people can check out. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, and we're we're partnering with Playverses also to help ease ease schools onto the program. Um, there's going to be, um, you know, I think an, an opportunity for a select number of schools to be able to get a, a Nintendo Switch system into the school through Playverses investments and, and efforts. And from the Nintendo side, we're going to be looking at uh, providing um, software to the schools that are participating. Um, and so there's there's going to be, I think, um, you know, a lot of opportunity for people whose schools are already a part of Playverses to to add these games and and hopefully we'll also see more schools interested in in adding the overall play versus program to to their own uh, sports offerings in their schools. Well, that sounds fantastic. And and guys, I guess we're just about out of time. But is there any last comments either one of you would like to share about this uh, this um, partnership? Yeah, I think look, you know, this partnership with Nintendo, um, you know, to us is a, a true testament to the product and experience that we built for our community but also an indicator of the demand for competitive gaming at the scholastic level and what a cultural force it's become. Um, you know, we really believe that, you know, we exist to serve our community and we're proud and humbled to be the ones to build this alongside them in partnership with Nintendo. And so uh, we appreciate Nintendo for trusting the play versus, and we're excited um, to bring, um, you know, these titles to, to schools across the country everywhere. Well, Delane, I just want to take a moment to thank you and the team at Play Versus for all the work that has gone into this. It has been um, a great, great partnership. It is, I think, a really great initiative, and, and we're excited to be able to talk about it and announce this program. And we're excited to see competition begin in the fall at the high school level on both Super Smash Brothers Ultimate and Splatoon 2. And for us, this is, as I mentioned, an important first step as we continue to look at ways to improve and enhance our support for competitive gaming across our games and platforms. Um, and uh, we're really looking forward to seeing um, the fruits of this initiative and, and looking forward to continuing to share more information on future plans and support of competitive play overall. So thanks again, Delane, and, and really excited at, at this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Well, like I said, I just wish uh, I could have taken advantage of this back in the day, but my son is about the right age, so maybe he'll be able to join up and, and have some fun. So, well, Delane and Bill, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about this, and I can't wait to find out more. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. That's it for this episode of Nintendo Power Podcast. If you have any comments or questions you'd like us to consider answering on the show, you can email us at nintendopowerpodcast at noa.nintendo.com. Also, we always appreciate it if you can leave us a review, and be sure to subscribe so you get new episodes as soon as they're ready. Thanks for listening, and keep playing with power.